Welcome. Late, 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 late. Late? What's late? We're late. No, no, no. We're fine. Welcome to episode 35 of Don't Be an Idiom. How's it going, everybody? It's the podcast that explores the origin stories of common phrases and idioms. My name is Ryan. I have my trusty compadre here. Hello, it's Albert. What's up? What do you have to say for yourself? Just that I'm the game master and everyone knows it. Yeah, everyone knows that Albert's the game master. He brought a special game today. I don't even know what it is. It's a mystery game. That's what the game master does. This guy, for as long as I've known him, he's, he's liked the games. Never knew. Never knew until I got the nickname. I'm sorry. Yeah, I know. I know. That's a kind of a recent nickname. Which episode was that? 33? 32? Yeah, it seems like it was two times ago. I think. <laughs> and I really just leaned into it. Yeah. But you you realize you've always liked games. I, that's that's the thing. The name made me realize that I've always liked them. I hate, I've always hated games. Yeah, but you secretly like them a little bit. I like them a little bit. Like, like five to 20 minutes I can do right. for a right. game. Yeah, not hours. Hours like of I game. like the hours. Yeah, of you games. do the hours of games. Well, I because can't. it helps me not have to like socialize. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Then we just like bring it back to the game. Right. Maybe that's why I like movies. It's like oh, it's, there it's, you go. Movies like of, a game. Instead of talking, let's just look over let's here. Don't talk. Everyone, be quiet. Just look at this instead. Yeah, but see, with the game, it's like nobody wants you to talk during the movie. Right. During the game, you're supposed to talk. So you're tricking people into socializing by playing right. the game. Right. I see. Right. Because everyone's socializing about the game. Right. Like wow, you really well. You're really playing this you really game got a well, twelve or poorly. You're right. I'm usually the poorly one. Yeah, poorly surely, Polly surely, Polly surely, <laughs> Polly surely. Uh, we are drinking a, a special drink that was recommended to us by my friend Dan Whitcomb, who's listening in Germany, Frankfurt. Thank you, Dan. It's a. He's not the Irish guy. I'm afraid of is he? He's from Washington. He's, but I but I met him Washington Ireland. I met him in Barcelona. Okay. He's a fellow teacher. Um, Way but, to go, Dan! It but, is very good. But Dan, yeah, this is the Boulevardier. But he said to call this the Italian immigrant because there's Campari and rye whiskey in it. Did he make that name up? He said it should be it should be more like something like Italian immigrant. Yeah, but did he hear that from somewhere? No, or did he, he make that, it up. No, he's. A, I love it. He's a Italian clever cat. Immigrant. I like it. Right, and and plus you know Albert and I. You know, we have some uh, we Italian. We are Italian we, a little we bit. with Jersey Italian, which means Irish Italian. <laughs> yeah, we got the thing that, the, the same thing that happened a lot, I feel like in, what was it? The How old were our parents when they had pre- kids? Kids? I mean, my mom was 30. 80s, in the 80s, 80s right? yeah. Yeah, it's, uh, we have Italian. No, wait, wait, is your, I have Italian dad and, a, and an Irish mom. Yeah, that's what I got. Your mom's Irish? Yeah. Oh, cool. Right. Cool, cool. That dark hair, it, it's mysterious. It throws you off. It does. <laughs> but, um, yeah, I, that's pretty popular from where we're, we're from. Yeah, South Jersey. It's all Italian dads and Irish moms. Exactly. I don't know how that... And does your mom know how to cook Italian food really well? She does. Mine, too. Mine. Yeah, what is that? I think it's because they have to pacify all the Italian <laughs> the husbands. She did. I think it was like, you know... She would meet the family and be yeah. like, well, Peg, do you know how to make a lasagna? How do you make and the like, spaghetti? <laughs> Can you make it a spaghetti? I mean, my mom, like, I never even thought about it as a kid, but she was always making Italian food and she has no Italian. Yeah. In. My mom's Italian food. That's really my dad's good. around. Oh. My mom's from uh, Pittsburgh originally. And apparently it's like a, it's like a Pittsburgh thing to be, re- to make a lot of cookies. Did you know this? Really? Yeah. Like it's Pitzels? Like, like <laughs> well, that's, that's Italian. Pittsburgh Zells? Pittsburgh's, that's like mostly Irish out there. 
My mom makes pizzas. I'm like, nobody wants cookies that taste like black licorice. But they, they have but anise, they anise flavor, too. I know. They are good now. Hey, I speak, didn't like them when I was a kid. Speaking of Pennsylvania, you wanted to talk about King of Prussia. Yeah, yeah. Well, yeah, so. let's, yeah let's just jump to that. Okay, uh, yeah, let's go to for, that. For I mean, for people that aren't from the Philadelphia area, there's a town nearby, or, or yeah, a town called King of Prussia. King of Prussia. And there's a really big mall there. Yeah, and it's the King of Prussia Mall. And, like, you know, growing up, well, first of all, it's two malls, and then there used to be, like... You used to have to leave the one mall. They're right next to each other. You used to leave the one mall to go to the other. But now they've built like this breezeway. But it, it just feels like you're in more mall. There's like still stores. Like I didn't know when I hit mall one and mall two. I think in like 2130, America's just going to be one a mall. mall. A mall. A king of Prussia mall. A mallica. A mallica. I, 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 I like it. <laughs> And the truth is, I'm not is, crazy about it. Ryan but. said it last night. I do love, I love the mall. I, I feel like it's just like that sense of freedom you got when you were a teenager. Like, yeah. be at the mall. Right. It's such a weird thing. I know that, yeah, that, that was a nice freedom as a teenager. It still feels that way to me though. Like you're just yeah. in the mall. You're walking around. Yeah. <laughs> I'm avoiding malls these days. Uh, you should. You because, should avoid uh, malls. I know. But a couple but weeks, you went. A couple weeks ago, went to the mall. <laughs> Brave and soldier. The, the King of Prussia Mall. Haven't been there since they've combined it into one mall. And we were driving home and I asked my friend Jess and I was like, what's the deal with King of Prussia? Why does everybody just be like, I'm going to King of Prussia. I'm going to the King of Prussia Mall. And they act like that's a normal name for a town or whatever. Yeah. King of Prussia. It's I not, live yeah. in King of Prussia. It, makes no, it's, it sounds ridiculous, right? Yeah, I've never thought about it. Though. So we looked it up. So yeah. basically, here's the deal. What'd you learn? King of Prussia in 1796, there was this this guy, this Welsh guy, who opened up an inn and tavern in King of Prussia. And it was it was really ideally located because it was like an hour, uh, no, it was a day's horse ride from Philadelphia mm-hmm. and uh, also in between like the um, Reading and PA uh, railroads. Okay. So it was really ideally located. But all it was was a little inn and tavern called the King of Prussia. The guy was like a Quaker dude. He loved the King of Prussia because <laughs> it was in honor of King Frederick II of Prussia. He was an 18th century monarch who opposed Britain's imperial uh, ambitions. Yeah, damn your imperial ambitions, yeah. Britain. Yeah, and also his thing was like he was he was a foreigner too. Like he came to America and was just like, I don't like where I'm from. This guy doesn't like where he's from. <laughs> I'm gonna open up a bar called King of Prussia. Yeah, but just think about this. It was just an inn. Man, and that inn is long gone. I'm, you can still go to it. You can still, what? you can. Well, it's not open for business, but like somebody owns it and it's still there. Oh, okay. but um. So anyway, uh, in the let's see, in the 1850s, um, what am I, what am I writing here? I don't know. Yeah, oh, oh, oh! In in the 1850s, they established it as the name of the town like it became like this is now king of prussia like so the inn was so popular yeah because it was at such a junction of like you know travel right right that it became let's just call this whole area king of prussia Prussia, they already got the tavern there yeah and then in the 20th century they got their own zip code which is one nine four oh six that is a good zip code baby go get your tattoos you'll get free don't be an idiom for life if you get that tattoo (laughs) Please, someone get that tattooed. I'll get that tattooed. You're going to get King of Prussia's zip code? Yeah. Okay. 19406. You know what it makes me think of is the uh, Albert, our friend Chris and I wanted to make an idiom. We've talked about this before. Oh, yeah. And the idiom we came up with was, how about they don't name towns towns no more? more. 
And this was because this was a time in the 1700s where they were naming towns. Exactly. But they don't really name towns anymore. Everything's been named. It's been named. And, and if they're naming anything, it's going to be some fucking development and nobody gives a that shit. That does not count. No. That is not no, a town. No, no, That is so, bullshit. So, and this guy wasn't even trying to name a town. He was just trying to have an inn and And that's town. what I like about it. Could you imagine what it must have been like to be like this guy? And he's like, you know what? I'm, I'm just going to open up a little thing. And then it, like, imagine that the height of its popularity and everyone's just to go from saying, I'm going to stay at the king of Prussia mm-hmm. in and tavern to be like, I'm going to the king, town yeah. of Ick. like y- the town was born out of, out of a business. Like that must just feel so neat. It must feel neat. Cause he did not go into it trying to make a town. No one goes unless into he's it. a narcissistic genius. He could be, he could be, uh, well now I'm kind of interested in going to this original Inn and tavern. Yeah, you can there. go to it, but also we'll now bring our own I feel BYOB. Better about just going to the mall, even. Yeah, it does feel BYOB. Yeah. <laughs> no, no, we're fine. We're, we yeah, don't our own don't kick us out. <laughs> don't kick us out. We'll don't stay. do that. We'll sleep here. You're fine. <laughs> we're police. <laughs> um, our last episode, uh, I had a question. I said, I said, uh, how do you say head in French? Yes. And our friend Hannah got in touch with us. She knows French, and she said. Uh, she just wrote to me uh, the word tet in uh, our in like tet. Yeah, she just wrote it to me, and I was like, I don't. That's wait, it. I don't it's get a one it. One word text. It was uh, there was some context, but I didn't totally understand. And then she's like, you asked how to say head in French. I'm like, oh frick, right, right, right. And just like tet tet tet, like you know, right, which is an English idiom. Head to head, right? Head to head, yeah. So I knew that like somewhere in the recesses of our minds, we had a some Friend semblance. That spoke French. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, so cool. thanks, Very Hannah. Very cool, Hannah, speaking French. That is cool. It is cool. Good for her. Nice. What do you speak? Her. You barely speak Me. English. Pig Latin. <laughs> That's it. That's all you In know. Bad English. <laughs> um, the last thing we wanted to say was uh, a Christmas miracle. Well, I was looking at yes. some. I was looking up so, uh, some "Don't Be an Idiom" data, just kind of seeing what's uh, what's new, and uh, we have some listeners in Belgium now, which Welcome is nice. Aboard. Uh, yeah, welcome to the Don't Be an Idiom train. And uh, the main no area, stops. besides Brussels, the, the next main area is uh, Sint Niklas, which is... You kidding me? That's, it's, that's the name of a city in, in Belgium. Saint, Saint Nicholas? Nicholas? Christmas town. That's where Santa Claus comes <laughs> from. <laughs> they have a statue of Santa. A really? Cre- it's kind of a creepy statue, but I like it. What's he doing? I can see us, you know, getting full ride... You know, plane tickets post-pandemic. Yeah, whenever go to St. Nicholas. We'll take a picture sitting on his lap. It's another place that when we get picked up, the, yeah. the, the um, <clears throat> what is it called? The, the yeah, who, yeah. who do we sign up with? I don't know. It's called a... A conglomerate? <laughs> who buys podcasts? Uh, nobody. Those people are going to send us there. <laughs> They're going to send us there. They're going to send us to Australia. Time. Australia. We're going to do, a, we're gonna do a, a Britain, Ireland road trip. To visit all of the references that we've made, all the yes. idiom references. Yep. It's gonna be very expensive. So if you've been thinking about buying our podcast, and we will sell. <laughs> we will sell for a high, <laughs> high, high price. We have a lot of plans. Yeah, we just we don't want money. We just want experience. Just send us places. We don't want money. We don't money. <laughs> uh we don't mind money. We don't mind money. All right. So uh Albert. You got a game for us today? Oh, yeah. You are Actually, the game you know master. Oh, now, do you have something else I, to I, say? Now more than ever, I feel like I have to bring this up. I meant to bring this oh, up on a shit. couple episodes ago. Okay. 
But so your your bathroom, your upstairs bathroom. Yeah. <laughs> do you ever do the thing when you're when you're going to the bathroom where you you shoot your legs out to both sides to hit both walls? Because Ryan's Ryan's uh, toilet is like in a little narrow little I, uh, spot there, and okay, and I have my shoes off, so yeah. I got my socks on, and it yeah. reminds me of Home Alone. It's Christmas oh. time. And remember when? Marv is slipping around down in that, in that thing, <laughs> yeah. and then his legs go like. <laughs> <laughs> so I think of that every I love time that I go scene. to the bathroom of your house, and uh, I just did it up there because I have my shoes off, and uh, that is funny. I just, I just, I just want you to think of that, and I want everybody else at home to think of that while while we're all going to the bathroom. And don't be an idiot, dude. When the tarantula is placed upon his face, <laughs> yeah. that scream is. <laughs> One of the best screams ever Definitely. in cinematic history. Definitely. Definitely. And you know it's him. Damn it. He's good at it. You could tell he could do that. Ugh. Anyway. What's his name? In the movie, it's Mark. I know, but uh, Daniel... Uh, fuck. He's the Chud. The Chud. Yeah, he's in the movie Chud. Versus Daniel Stern. That's it. Oh, my God. And Bushwhacked. And Bushwhacked. <laughs> We will pay $100 to whoever can get us in, in touch with Daniel Stern. Yeah, and he can come and slip around in your bathroom. <laughs> yeah, we'll film him slipping around with a camcorder. Do they make those anymore? I'll bring the grease. <laughs> I'll bring the grease. I'll bring the grease. I'll bring the grease. Anyway, so what Ryan was getting at before is, yes, there's a special game today, and the game is a surprise because it's Christmas, Christmas time. Oh, okay. Which makes it... This is a Christmas... A Christmas present. Oh, wow. Albert. Just a little something from the Game Master. Your rapping is really excellent. Oh, come on. To the host that does the most from the Game Master. That's Stranger Things. uh, Yeah. Uh, Hey, everyone. At Five Below, they have Stranger Things gift wrap for $2. Oh, my God. It's a Gremlins Holiday Havoc card game. Oh, we love Gremlins here. Yes, we do. This is awesome. All right, great. Do you know anything about the rules? So, yeah, I I read the rules in the back. So, first of all, it's made for players of three or more. And I know there's not three of us here right now. (laughs) Tricky. So, I figured a a modification out already. Here's what we're going to do. We're going to shuffle the cards and we're going to split them in two two packs, right? Two decks. Yeah. And me and you are just going to take turn flipping um, like war or whatever. And... The first one to get a gizmo should go first because there's only a couple gizmos and they're like a positive something in the pack. And it's mostly gremlins and a couple of scenario card, like scene cards or whatever. All right, cool. Perfect. So I figured like we'll shuffle, do that. And then whoever gets gizmo first wins. All right. All right. Perfect. Also, the artwork looks really cool on them. So I thought you would like them as just like a... Wait, do I get to keep these? Those are yours. Those are for you. Oh, this yeah. is great, man. Thank the you. The Game Master has many games. He does not need <laughs> one. He has not no space for one more game. Dude, the art on here is amazing. Right? Oh, uh, yeah. We'll, we'll be sharing yeah. some images oh, yeah. of this. Okay. And I was thinking that would be nice, too, for a little photo op. Oh, baby. Okay, All right. Cool. So, you know, we'll just kind of just kind of open her up and do a little something. All right. All right. So the cards are shuffled, and we're basically just going to... Do a turn at a time until someone sees Gizmo, and then they giz go. All right. I got Gizmo! Oh, thank God. <laughs> the game has... I went like... <laughs> Do you have a single Gizmo? Like, Mach, why? 
You are not the game master. <laughs> Damn it, I dropped mine. All right. All right. So... I don't have a single Mogwai in my entire pack, first of all. Oh, look, there's another one. <laughs> you have all of them. Okay. All right, well, I got four. I got four gizmos. So I, I got, got four gizmos and Ryan got zero. But, hey, Ryan wins in a way because he gets to keep the cards. I'm the real winner here today. All right. Here we go. What's Ryan, your reading, buddy? You know what? Not just with the, with the whole gremlins card thing but also with the whole recording of the episode i know i had some people reaching out saying where the fuck is the episode on friday oh did you which is nice because it actually makes me think that people are listening but you know sometimes it's just murphy's law murphy's law i know murphy's law i know you know murphy's law uh sometimes just murphy's law you know i i uh, used to work at a a warehouse you you know this there's a hvac warehouse and my my direct boss, the guy who ran the warehouse, always used to say like Murphy's Law, Murphy's Law, <laughs> Murphy's Law, Murphy's Law, <laughs> Murphy's Law. Not my fault. <laughs> Whatever, um, anything bad that can happen will happen. Yep. Is it something like that? Anything that can go wrong Any, will go okay, wrong. Okay. Anything that can go wrong will go wrong. Murphy's Law. All right. Good. That's right. I don't know the origin of this. Wonderful. Uh, but you still have to guess. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. Anything that can go wrong will go wrong. Murphy's law. Murphy made this law. Who is Murphy? <laughs> exactly. Who's Murphy? Um, is there a Murphy? Yeah. Yeah, there is. Yeah, there's a Murphy. Okay. Um, Actually, I was watching a movie at my parents' house last night, and Murphy Brown was in it. Murphy Brown. <laughs> Sweet Home Alabama with Reese Witherspoon. Sweet Home Alabama. You ever, ever seen that one? Uh, who's the main guy? It's not Matthew McConaughey, right? Um, it's like it's like he a, looks it's like a kind of yeah. like Matthew and McConaughey. He, My dad—that's what we were talking about. It's like that guy kind of looks like Matthew McConaughey, but he, he's not. He's like an artist who who puts metal rods in sand to or make, dirt or yes, something or sand, right? Glass, he makes glass, lightning, lightning glass. glass. How do you know? I don't know. Shit. I don't know how I remember I, that. Until last night, I knew nothing about Sweet Home Alabama. <laughs> I don't know how I remember that. And then the and like, she like shows up after all these years. She like lost her southern accent. She's like yeah. all city girl. She's like I I want a divorce. I'm marrying the guy from um, Grey's Anatomy, the hot Doctor McDreamy. He's a hot, yeah, they're, they're but they make him wear his turtleneck in Alabama. Uh, yeah, I can't. That's not fair. They made him look and his khakis dumb. were too baggy. It was ridiculous. Well, that's the time. I know, but they're, still right. Okay, Murphy's Murphy Brown. Murphy Brown's law. That was his, his mom. Uh, Doctor McDreamy's mom was Murphy Brown in the movie. Sure, I'm gonna I'm gonna keep it kind of recent. I'm gonna say keep it recent. I'm gonna, I'm gonna say in the 19. I'm gonna you know what? I'm gonna re- reference something earlier from the show. I'm gonna go to Pittsburgh right now. Oh, okay. <laughs> Bold, because Murphy to me is a very Irish name. It is. So there was a guy. His name was Murphy. Right. And he lived out in Pittsburgh in the 1930s. Right. He worked at the, you know, the steel. <laughs> he did the steel stuff with the mill? steel. Steel mill. <laughs> and it was not an easy job. Mm-mm. But he earned his dollar every day. Right. He uh, earned his pay. Uh, and what a way to have done this, I say. <laughs> so I'll go down that day and eat some hay. What do you say? So Murphy, I like Happy Gilmore too. Um, you know Michael Murphy. He uh, was a town legend in Pittsburgh, right? 
first person at the bar after the steel whistle blew, steel right. mill whistle blew. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, he'd be down there and this guy could not be pleased ever. Okay. Every every single day. Yeah, I think a steel worker is steel probably it's hard to please man. Yeah, he, he was, you know, he was dirtier than necessary. You right. know, he was like covered in shit all the time. But it's like his job actually didn't entail much messiness. Yeah, he was like a, uh, he was like one of those like uh, quality control guys. Yeah, he was a quality control guy. But he was dirtier a- than necessary. I like that is, <laughs> that's a don't be an idiom t-shirt right there. Dirtier Boom. than necessary. And Murphy, you know, everyone liked him. He was, he had a certain charm about him. But at the same time, if like you... Like a curmudgeonly charm? Curmudgeonly charm, yeah. It is funny how you do tend to like people like that that are like crabby. And then you're just like, you know, you try so hard to not be crabby yeah. and then no one likes you. But then the crabby people, everyone's like, gah, salt of the earth. Yeah, salt of the earth. They're, they're, yeah, they're just kind of magnets. It's like, ah, what is, what's, old, what's old Murphy got to say today? And um, unfortunately, one of the most famous incidents that he... that he recollected um at the bar was uh you know a chunk of steel mm. cut mm. his johnson right off <laughs> <laughs> and and he he showed up to the bar later later in the day i'm <laughs> still first <laughs> he refused to not show up as the first person first worker yep. at the bar and uh and he gets there and he's and like, you know, they pour him a Jameson and he's just sipping and he's like, hey, Murphy, how was your day? He's like, I lost my Johnson. <laughs> lost it right at the st- straight off. <laughs> and like, dude, did you go to the hospital? He's like, ah, just like slap some gloves. Gotta glo- be first at the bar. I just duct tape some old gloves to my jeans. Jesus. And, <laughs> you know, be right as rain, but you know. <sighs> Every day something goes wrong. Whatever can go wrong will go Cut wrong. Cut your Johnson you off. <laughs> And then the bartender, old uh, Mickey Magoo, he uh, he wrote that down on a napkin, nailed it right to the wall. Murphy's Law. No complaints. Murphy's <laughs> Law. Free beer tomorrow. <laughs> I love Free that. Free beer tomorrow. Free beer tomorrow sign, man. That we got to get shit one of those. Is so good. Yeah, Swamp Saloon. Swamp Free Saloon. Beer tomorrow. Free beer tomorrow. How is a? Uh, we just need an eccentric millionaire. That's all. An eccentric millionaire. Like Raj. Like Big Raj. <laughs> Big Roger Holst. <laughs> Over at Miss Rachel's Pantry. Pantry. Don't look him up. <laughs> no, <likes> no. Be- <laughs> He's actually officially unassociated with this podcast. He might you be never a, know what we're yeah. going to say. Yeah, he's a famous vegan chef. You should definitely not let him know that we know just him. Just go look him up. Yeah, just go look just him up. Don't, don't criticize him in any way but he could fund something like this getting that sign made he's a business he's a mo- business mogul business owner we're right? gonna say mogul I, w- I was just gonna say like out of all of our friends other than john like mm-hmm. who's a who's a partial business owner that's just him just him yeah so he's our he's our, he's our guy. friend yeah. yeah we'll hit him up for some money all right so Raj. uh yeah tell tell me about it okay because that was wrong i'm assuming yeah no that's no, not right yeah no <laughs> that's not right it's not right <laughs> All right, so everything that can go wrong will go wrong? Yeah, sure it will. But um, where, did, where does it come from? Okay, so there's some stuff that's, that's been said. This, this kind of thing has sort of been said for like longer than it became popular. So I'm going to start with this. In 1877, there was this guy named Alfred Holt who said, 
Anything that can go wrong at sea generally does sooner or later. But then everybody forgot about him. In 1908, it became a well-loved maxim among magicians. No. Magicians. And there was this guy named... It went from the sea to magicians, just yeah, like that? Yeah, yeah, like, you know, Two favorite like, things. But it's like, I think it's one of those things is like everybody's been trying to nail it down, but nobody gets the credit for it mm-hmm. until a little while later. But magicians loved it. There was this guy named Neville Maskelin. And in this, I guess it's a uh, magazine called The Magic Circular, mm-hmm. he said... It is an experience common to all men that on any occasions, everything that can go wrong will go wrong. So this magician coined this? Nope. Oh. He didn't make it popular enough. Oh. <laughs> no, 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 no. But he said Did it. you notice that none of these people are named Murphy? Uh, well, yeah, I am, well, I am catching well, on to that. Well, well. <laughs> well, so well, here's well. the deal. Murphy is actually a smaller part to play in all of this. What we're going to do is focus on the hero... Dr. John Paul Strap. I love this guy. He was a flight surgeon in the Army Medical Corps. Doc Strap. Yeah, Doc Strap. So what he was studying was the effects of high altitude and high speed flight on the human body. In 1945, he was working on something called Project MX-981 at Edwards Air Force Base. How'd you get this information? Oh, that sounds top secret. Baby. So what they were basically working on was... Um, like, uh, you know, when you hit the ejector, the ejector button and pop plane? out the top of the plane. Yeah. But he was working on like high speed jets and they like things were just getting faster and faster and they didn't know if it was going to be safe. At, like they were, they were going so fast. They didn't know if it was going to be safe to like have that like crazy, um, like juxtaposition of moving so fast as just shooting out of the thing. Yeah. So that was his work was to try to figure out how to make it safe for these pilots to eject from a high speed jets. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So back then, it, the, the common thought, theory thought, was that a human could only withstand about 18 Gs of... Um, What's a G? A G-force, right? G-force. What is that? Gravitational force, right? Oh, okay, yeah. I think gravitational force without a fatal injury. So they thought that's the, that's the fastest that a human could go, 18 yeah. Gs, and then you're dead, right? So... What he was working on was this rocket-powered sled called the G-Wiz. No. Right? It was not called the G-Wiz. It was G-Wiz. called the G-Wiz. Yeah. <laughs> That's perfect. So 2,000 feet of track in the desert. Yeah. And then, like, they only had, like, a little bit extra for where, like, the stopping, the stopping point was, right? So th- the idea to get everything started was they were going to use a dummy, and they were going to use chimpanzees, mm-hmm. right? The dummy was really weird looking. <laughs> he looked like he was like whistling. He was like, he looked so, it was like, it was like a hand, like a plaster dummy. And did any of the chimps strike up a relationship with this dummy or did they never really cross paths? Well, you know, like here's the thing about Dr. Strap. Like he didn't want any of that. He didn't want the, he didn't want the dummy or the chimps. But before I move away from the dummy, yeah. his name was Oscar Eight Ball. That's a good name. And when Dr. Strap... Did Strap come up with that name too? Because G-Wiz, Oscar, 8-Ball, these are all good. I I actually doubt it because when Strap saw the dummy, he was like, quote, you can throw this away. I'm going to be the test subject. This guy is the man. Yeah. So... Everyone at first was like, "Well, just just don't get in, don't get in the G Wiz first, okay? Like, like let's let's do the dummy for a little while." So they did three dozen tests with Oscar Eight Ball. Mm-hmm. 
many failures. <laughs> like, like they, they said the first time that they even, that they even uh, led the thing down the track, everything broke. Like Whoa. the, the brakes didn't work. Um, it flew off <clears throat> into the um, desert. Yeah. Like, so thank Not God a success. somebody like, yeah, stopped yeah. him. But so they did three dozen tests with that. And then, Two years later, which was December 10th, 1947, Dr. Strap, uh, he put himself in uh, for the first time. So he was, he was the, he was, he strapped himself he in. Strapped himself in, right? Yeah. So he started at 10 G's and worked his way up to 35 G's over the course of six months. So remember that they only said that it was going to, you're only going to be able to withstand 18. So he like crushed, he like doubled that, you know? Then that's where we enter. Captain Edward A. Murphy. Here you go. Murphy's Law, right? Oh my gosh. So he was working on another project called Wright Field involving centrifuge. So you like, you know, there's like spaceman tests where they put them in the thing and they're they're spinning around around and around and around, right? Either like, how much can I take? Yeah. So Strap asked Murphy, he's like, dude, we want some of those sensors that you're using in there and we want to use them for our thing because at first they only had sensors that... Uh, were on the rocket sled, and they, they felt like they needed it directly on the bodies of the test subjects, sure. you know? So Murphy came to the base, and he was only there for two days. And in those two days, they had him, they had him set up, and like Murphy's like assistant like did the whole thing. And uh, they actually used a chimp for this one. They put a chimp in the thing, and they, they, they shot And they strapped on. one of the centrifuge things they, they on had like a bunch of They had a bunch of these sensors, sensors yeah. on the chimp, right? And uh, they did the test, and they realized all of them just registered as zero. So when they told Murphy that it didn't work, he was pissed. And he was like, this is the quote, allegedly. If that guy, and he's talking about his Strat? His, his assist, uh, his assistant. No, no. Like, so, sorry. Murphy had an assistant who, who allegedly put the sensors on the monkey. Yeah. And he's like, if that guy has any way of making a mistake... He will. So that's kind of like the first version of Murphy's right. Law. And then it eventually morphed into, if anything can, can go wrong, it will go wrong. I mean, I wonder, what, I wonder who that assistant is. Yeah, they, like they mentioned, there's a couple names in here that I yeah. just like decided to leave out because it's kind of like, nobody's going to remember. Or I don't confused. care. Yeah. yeah. Just, but basically, Murphy, who was supposed to be the censor guy, he yeah. blamed it on somebody else. Right. So, from that point on, um, Strap and everybody that was like on the team, like Murphy was there for two days. He was kind of like in and out. He got pissed when the shit didn't work or whatever. But when Murphy was later in, uh, no, Strap was later interviewed, they were like, how is it that no one has been severely injured in or worse in all of your tests? Yeah. And Strap said, uh, well, I wasn't too worried about it because the entire team had heard to, adhered to Murphy's law. Anything that could go wrong would go wrong and thus extreme effort was put into thinking what could go wrong and fix it before the test was actually conducted so thinking ahead so we all think of murphy's law as this thing that you say when shit goes wrong right but it's actually when everything goes right well yeah because he was like you know what we were like that these guys were working on like high-powered rocket shit and they were like no 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 we're learning something by by what um, murphy said is like 
we have to anticipate what can go wrong and then build in fail safes and stuff so that they don't go wrong. So hmm. Murphy's law is intended to actually be something positive hmm. when you look at it the right way. It's really about foresight. It's about foresight. Hmm. You, you have to really pay attention to what can go wrong and then anticipate it so that hopefully it doesn't go wrong in your tests. And now did Strap and Murphy become best friends after this? Nope. It sounds like, no, like this nope. guy, Murphy was basically there for two days. He yeah. was just like, I, I'm, I'm bringing the sensors. And then like, I don't know what the hell went wrong. And he was out of there. So it's kind of cool that the hero of all this stuff, or, or like the person that we should really think about is, is Dr. What did I say? Paul strap. Yeah. Paul, Paul, Paul. And I think it's also Stap. I think we add an R in there. Stap. Oh, wait, it's Stap. It's been Stap the whole time. Stap, Stap the whole time. Uh, whatever nobody can hear what i'm saying <laughs> some, some people can if they're listening well some people all right here's the deal so it's stap okay. it's stap but this guy was awesome and then in december 10th of 1954 they actually built a new sled so they're off of the g whiz and this one's called the sonic wind it had nine rockets and it had forty thousand pounds of thrust that sounds fun so this was his final experiment on the um on like the rail rocket car or whatever. He went from zero to 630 miles per hour in five seconds. Whoa, that's pretty good. So that's 20 Gs. Was Oscar in this? Force. Oscar? Wild? No. The, uh, was oh, that the Oscar Ball. There's no room for him. Oh, okay. No, it's Stapp. He's, he's oh, he, the one. Wow. He, he wanted to be in the seat the whole time. Okay. He felt that like you needed a live person to give real feedback. Right. So, like his whole thing was just about making it safer for pilots, and he enjoyed it. Uh, yeah, he enjoyed. He he just thought it was necessary. So then it came to a full stop from 630 miles an hour in 1.4 seconds, and at that moment of the, like the zenith of G force, he was at 46.2 Gs. Now remember, that's way higher than the 18. Scientists before that thought that you were going to die at 18. Yeah. So it was like, that's like when you hit the brakes. Whoa. Right? Yeah. Um, and here's what happened. There was a quote. His eyes had hemorrhaged and were completely filled with blood. Oops. It was horrible. <laughs> Absolutely <laughs> horrible. And then when Staff was asked, like, what was it like? He said, he said, it felt like being assaulted in the rear by, oh a fast, by a fast freight train. I felt a sensation in the eyes, somewhat like the extraction of a molar without anesthetic. Oh my God. During this, during this ride, yeah. he, he, had, he broke his wrists, <laughs> cracked his ribs, and had internal injuries. And he was initially blinded. They thought that his retinas had detached. But in a few hours, it actually came back. And then, like, for the rest of his life, he had some, like, sight issues. But, like, he, he was able to see it. All right. So, I mean, 18, 18 Gs is better. 46 Gs is livable. But it doesn't sound very pleasant. No. But, again, it was all about this was so that, like, they could make it safe for pilots to eject from these, like, high-speed jets. Like, sure. they needed to know this sort of stuff. And he was just, like... And then what I like about Stapp is like, he wasn't like, I just want the glory. I'm just like a narcissist, whatever. Like he was truly, it seemed he just wanted it to be safe. Yeah. And he didn't want to put anyone else in that seat. A couple people did, but only when he was like recovering from major injuries right. from, from the thing, you know? 
So after that final test, his, he's like, I'm go, I want to go for 1,000. I want to go for 1,000 miles an hour. So remember, he got up to 630. Yeah, yeah. Um, but then they started doing some tests with the dummy and stuff, and he wrecked the sonic wind at 80 Gs with a dummy. Yeah. So um, at that point, his superiors were like, we're shutting down the project because basically he just like defied his superiors a lot, and they were afraid that he was just going to kill himself right. on this thing. And then it'd be on their watch. Exactly. And they don't want that. Right. So. Staff is a hero, a national hero. He's a total, he's a total hero, yeah. Because now, look, our pilots are ejecting all the time. <laughs> all, even when they don't need even to. Even when they don't need to, just for fun. Right. At all kinds right. of speeds. Yeah. Low speeds. Low speed, high stops. speed, medium speed. <laughs> I'd love to just get in yeah, there pl- like a jet and just be like. <laughs> <laughs> they must be so pissed when they do that. I'm sure someone's pissed. Someone's got to deal with that. Somebody. Put the seat back in. Yeah. I, they probably don't go back in that easily, no, right? I don't think so. <laughs> anyway, that is pretty much the story of Murphy's Law. I got a couple of fun facts. That's great. Yeah, let's hear the fun facts. All right. So Stapp's nickname was the Careful Daredevil. The Careful Daredevil. Right? It's cool, but careful. Uh, right? Yeah. It's not that cool. I got a list of all his injuries. You want them? Yeah, sure. Yeah, you do. A hemorrhoided retina, hemorrhage retina, fractured rib, lost, he lost fillings when he would, like, they would shoot out of his mouth when he was doing the stops. Bullets. Yeah. Uh, Concussions, cracked collarbone, abdominal hernia, body blisters from the sand. Imagine sand giving you blisters. Severe bruising, shattered wrist, and he fractured his coccyx. Stapp also invented, he actually like collected and invented his own laws. Like, so we have Murphy's law, right? Mm-hmm. But there's actually one called Stapp's law, which was. Oh, we got to use that. The universal aptitude for ineptitude makes any human accomplished and incredible accomplishment an incredible miracle. I feel like after Sorry. Murphy's law got popular, he was like, I, excuse me, make some, I really deserve yeah. my own law he here. Was, he collected, he like went around and collected like other people's like laws. There's some book or something I was going to order, but I was too late. But yeah, so he's got his own law um, right before his final run. Uh, when he thought he, he, he's like, I'm going to go blind from this. My eyeballs are going to rip out of my socket. And he said, um, I practice dressing and, and undressing with the lights off. So if I was blinded, I wouldn't be helpless. <laughs> Good yeah. for him. Then one thing that I thought was really fascinating about this dude is f- basically from the moment that he started all of these tests on, um, restraints in, in, um, in airplanes and stuff, mm-hmm. uh, he was like, we need this in automobiles. Back then, there was no, like people, there was no regulation, no seatbelts, right, no nothing. Yeah. So he was like, every time he was interviewed about his work with like, uh, like the jets and stuff like that, he he would lead the interview to, we need these in automobiles. Hey, by the way, we should have some seatbelts. Yeah. No, he really did. And um, at the time, there was like 10,000 Americans a year dying in um, in an automobile accidents. And, and he would, he would say like the point that he would make to his superiors all the time. He's like, we lose about as half as many pilots, uh, that we do to airline crashes to, uh, to, to automobile accidents. Yeah. Like, so we, we have to do something about this. So he would just, he would go to car manufacturers and politicians and whatever. He was the first person to do crash tests on automobiles. And, even though he doesn't get any credit basically at all, like it's not like well known, but in 1966, 
Uh, he was present when LBJ signed the bill to make seatbelts required in cars. He he was like a super advocate for seatbelts in cars. We should call them stat belts. Stat belts. Stat belts. So close. <laughs> Um, and then, and then one other thing that I thought was really interesting is that he advocated for commercial airlines to have the seats all turned backwards because if there was a crash, you are so much more likely to survive. If you could like the impact could like push you into the chair as opposed to like slamming your head against the seat in front of you, but nobody was interested. Like Right. right now, I believe that we should all have like in, in airplanes, they should all be backwards. Wow. And final thought is that you You're are, like a disciple of Stapp. I'm, I am a Stapp disciple. We are 40% more likely to survive a crash if you sit in the back of the plane. No one wants to sit in the back, That's, right? Yeah. Because you're always rushing to the front and whatever. But they said if you're in the back, you have a 40% better survival rate. This but is Albert's law. Two, two things. The bathrooms are back there and they stank. And then um, also, do you really want to survive a plane crash? Like, I'd like to have it over very quickly. Let's get that over with. Yeah, because what, what are you doing? Yeah, I feel like I've learned a lot today. Can you believe I, that? I thought you were going to say Murphy's Law came from Ireland. I already talked about Ireland. I always thought. I was I like, about Ireland an Irish too recently. thing. Yeah, Murphy. Ah, Murphy. Ah, Murphy. How's your law? Ah, tree, tarty, tree. <laughs> Oh, second breakfast. Second, it's the Hobbit, right? Yeah. I just read that Pippin from uh, The Hobbit went broke. <laughs> I'll bet. <laughs> I'll bet he did. Which one was he? He was the one that always wanted, like, what about second, second breakfast? breakfast? Wait, yeah. was he the one that was in Lost also, or the other one? That was the other one. That was uh, like Mary yeah. or something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, Pippin's broke. <laughs> Pippin's broke. Yeah, yeah, Pippin's broke. Unless you're a listener, you've got a lot of money. We love you. Pippin, come on, we'll give you five bucks. <laughs> we'll give you five bucks. We got Venmo. We said five bucks. Okay, thank you, Albert. You're welcome. And now, that's how the cookie crumbles. And now, that's how the cookie crumbles? <laughs> yes. Show Christmas ambiance. 
That's a song I recorded for uh, Tommy Avalone's documentary, I Am Santa Claus, which was a, a critically acclaimed documentary about There was a critic that acclaimed off, it. <laughs> off-season Santa, Santa Claus's. How do you say pluralized clause? Clause A. Clause A. Santa Claus A. Santa Claus A. Go Very, check it out. It's fascinating. It's a great documentary, actually. It's a wide range of different types of Santas. Seriously. Um, I wonder what year that came out. I think it came out like six years ago. But um, our when, friend Tommy we did were a younger. fucking awesome job. So check that out. Um, yeah, did you see the uh, forecast for tonight? No. <sighs> well, this is set up. <laughs> no, it's not a setup, but like just from the look of it, it's going to be another three dog night. That's a setup. <laughs> it is a setup. That's a setup if I ever heard one. That's a setup. I set That's it up. That's a band. Oh. Three Dog Night's a band. How do you know that? You know that. <laughs> do you know, That's an idiom. Yeah, I know it is. What's it mean? Mm. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I, oh, 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 oh. I wanted to go a little wintry oh, here. It's a three dog night. Yeah. Okay. It's, it's when it's cold. Exactly. It's a cold night. Bitterly cold. Yeah. So cold, you might die if you don't have three right. dogs with you. Right. It's a rudimentary nightly temperature gauge. Hmm. Okay. So it's a three dog night, eh? Yeah. So what is that? Where is, is that? It, do you think this is? Where I've never from. I've never said this before. Three dog night. No. Maybe I, it's I, kind of like a bring back idiom. Yeah. Like, I've, ooh, it's a three dog three night. Three dog night. I've only. Uh, I've only. I heard it references that band. Yeah. Right? That's it, a it's band, a famous right? band from the 60s and 70s. Were yeah. they any good, though? Um, I'm going to talk to you about them. Okay. Yeah. All right. So it's a cold night, three yeah, dog night. Three dog night. So what's right. the, uh, what do you think the origin is? Okay. So if you had one dog. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. If you have one dog, it's. You're starting on an obvious path here. 40 degrees. <laughs> uh huh. If you have two dogs, yeah, twenty, thirty, degrees. thirty. Okay, and if you have three dogs, mm-hmm. where was I at? Twenty. It's, it's twenty degrees. It's cold. That's pretty cold. Yeah, but like, how the hell did this so, come into? So what you do is, yeah, in the, it was the year seventeen fifty nine, back when it was real cold. Yeah, it was colder back then. <laughs> Because there's no greenhouse gases. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and Big Bart Ramson had a dog had a dog farm. Big Bart Big Ramson. Big Bart Ramson had a dog farm. Where did he live? He lived in America? He lived in Wisconsin. Oh. It yeah. is cold in Wisconsin yeah, it's in the cold winter. There, yeah. Right? So he's like, all right, it's time. It's it's the winter. It's I I got no wife. It's time for the dogs, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. So if it's a three dog night, I said it was twenty degrees. You said it's twenty degrees out, yeah. right? So that's pretty cold, right? Quite. Yeah. Did they have fireplaces back then? Yeah, in the seventeen hundreds. I think sure. You said that jokes. Sure, sure. Are you sure? <laughs> pretty sure they had fire in the seventeen hundreds. Yeah. In their houses. Sure. Yeah. Sure. Sure. Okay. Pretty sure they had chimneys. So he's like, well, I don't got any wood, but I got a lot of dogs. So what he would do is he would he would go out to the dog farm. Yeah. And if it was twenty degrees, there's a whole farm of dogs. He's like, that's three dogs, one, two, three on the fire. That's gonna (laughs) keep me warm for the night. It's gonna stink, but it's gonna be warm. Oh my god. 
<laughs> That's a good. I'm Bart Ramson. <laughs> He's looking in the mirror. Yeah, I'm Big Bart Ramson. <laughs> Dude, that took a turn. Yeah. And there's a lot of dog people out there, you know? So people are going to be oh like, Oh my God. You are not allowed to speak about dogs yeah. in this way. Well, I can't I can't be accosted for the crimes of Dog Bartson. <laughs> dog Bartson. Um, wow. Yeah, he and he couldn't just use wood, huh? No, there's no wood. So there's no trees. Don't you know the old saying? There's no wood in Wisconsin. Wisconsin, right? Yeah. Of course, but there are plenty of dogs. Dogs, yeah. <laughs> Good. They're grown on trees, which <laughs> we don't have. Good. That was a really good guess. Yeah. Uh, a little inaccurate in some parts. Well, but uh, I, I, I the bones burn hottest, <laughs> right? Especially when it's twenty degrees. Exactly. Exactly. Um, I do think that the phrase is popular because of the band Three Dog Night. I think so too. Do Do you know any songs by them? Um. Yeah. There's that one. It goes. Yeah. Um, Mary went down to the wishing well. Oh yeah. Really? No. <laughs> Mary went down to the wishing well. Oh yeah. <laughs> okay. I think we're gonna hear that song again <laughs> so, at some point in the future. Yeah. I uh, I've a. Uh, I've uh, arranged a little note. What are they writing about? Well, all right. Chicks? I have three. I have, listen, this is just like the three ghosts of Christmas Uh from the Christmas Carol. Oh, yeah. I have three Christmas connections that I'm going to make throughout my my, uh, idiom history here. This is the first Christmas connection. Their number one hit was called Joy to the World. Three Dog Night? Yeah. And are they a Christmas band? No, but okay. it wasn't a cover of the song. It was just titled Joy to the World. And the first line is Was it ironic? Jeremiah was a bullfrog. Oh, don't that's don't, them. Was a good friend of mine. That's Three Dog Night. That's Three Dog Night. And that's not a cover. Joy to the world. Oh, all yeah. All the boys and girls. Okay. Joy to the fishes in the deep blue sea. That's Joy Three Dog Night. To yeah. That's oh wow! Fir- Shit, I thought they actually were one of those bands that didn't really have any real hits. Dude, they had a lot of hits. Good for them. They also had um, one is the loneliest number that oh. you'll ever yeah. do. Yeah. Two is the you know one's the loneliest number you'll ever do that you'll ever do. Okay. I know some of the writing is a little weird. Okay. They had a song in the Devil's Reject soundtrack, Shambhala. Nice. nice. Um. So they were cool. Wash away my troubles, wash away my pain with the rain of Shambhala. Do you know that song? In the rain of Shambhala? No. Okay. What does that mean? <laughs> I didn't really look much into what that. Is the, that. That's bonus material right there. What is I, the I rain thought, of Shambhala? I thought me singing Shambhala would be the bonus material. All right, well, call <laughs> well, in. Not, if, you think, if you disagree. <laughs> Um, so it, it's suggested that that's why it became popular three yeah. dog night because yeah. of that band. I agree. They were mostly around from 69 to 75, but in a, in an interview with the band, the singer said that he got the idea for the, for the band name because he had read that the Aboriginal Australians would, they, that's like the phrase comes from them because they would use oh. dogs to keep warm at night. Yeah, yeah. But in Australia, they weren't dogs. They were dingoes. Oh, a three dingo night? <laughs> yeah. So our, our, Bad day, Jimmy! <laughs> our Australian listeners are going to love this. They are. So, wow. <laughs> you 
Yeah, I mentioned that you were talking about Australian stuff the other I, day. Yeah, well, I was looking in the... Uh, Never thought about it. I was looking in the Macquarie Dictionary of Australian Slang. The Macquarie Dictionary yeah, I had to make, Slang. I had to make a, I had to like make an account just to look at it. Like That's because they don't want you getting in there for I free. know, isn't that crazy? They're watching I, you watching them. I'm currently I'm in the midst of a 30-day free trial well, of well, this. What's the cost after that? Something that I'm not going to pay, but I, I copy and pasted all the information I needed for today's episode. Well, I hope they're not listening because they're going to be very upset. <laughs> so, so the Aborigines, the, I mean, this is, and uh, several sources point to this, that the, that the phrase comes from the Aborigines who would sleep with multiple dingoes to keep warm at night. Otherwise they would have died. But aren't dingoes wild dogs? Well, this is, so I did find a forum of Australians responding to one, you know, one source that was like, like an Australian Reddit can, sort of thing. It, it might have been Reddit actually, <laughs> okay. but it was like a, a, it was a couple of Australian dudes talking about it in response to the source, and they were like, "Can you? Uh, this is ridiculous. Can you imagine dingoes like just sleeping with you? I mean, it's they're, Are they they're all wild. Mangy? They're well, they're they, some can be mangy, but the but the but Aborigines really did have. Uh, I mean, even though they cannot be domesticated, dingoes. Average. Oh, okay. They can't. <laughs> Aborigines. No, no. Dingoes cannot be domesticated, but they did play a really important role in ab- Aborigine culture and and uh, history and and like their myths and stuff. Yeah. So they were often wandering on their land and in their encampments and stuff. But I, I did read how. Like the dingoes played a really important role in their spirituality. Really? And they would have them at their camps as protectors and guardians because they could, because dingoes could sense evil spirits. Sure. So they would freak out, you know, whenever an evil ghost showed up. And that they were, quote unquote, bed warmers. Which, right. Which also suggests that they actually were used you to know, warm up, uh, yeah. It's so like okay, okay. Wait, wait, wait. But they can't be domes- domesticated. But maybe they're just like they're like tired. I mean, <laughs> if you're feeding a dingo all day, right? Then they get tired of eating. <laughs> tired of eating, just like sleep on you. Okay, I'm thinking more like if this is an animal that cannot be domesticated, you're gonna yeah. have to like wrap it in some sort of swaddling clothes and then bring it to bed. And that thing's just going to be snapping and biting the whole time. But. You got to wrap the mat, them all. But the warmth. Yeah. But oh, the warmth. These things are wrapped, I'm thinking, very tightly. <laughs> well. Who's going to bring it to bed if it, can't be, if it can't be domesticated? How can you wrap it? How can you sleep with it? I mean, I just. Uh, apparently, they, the, the Aborigines found a way to have dingoes kind of hang around The Aborigines sometimes. weren't very domesticated either, right? They're still kind of wild, right? That feels a little racist. I no 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 no, but it's like it's not like they're living they're living out there in in the in the nature still, yeah, right? That's true. That's all I mean is like they're still like as far as like the aborigine to dingo ratio, it's it's still very you're a wild dog, I'm a wild human. Yeah. Yeah, they they're living out there in the nature. Yeah. And I yeah, I, but, they could sleep. We can't sleep with a dingo. They can. It's more likely that they'll yeah, they'll they know what to do to get a dingo to sleep with them, <laughs> right? Because they're you they're, gotta jack it off first, <laughs> so it's not you know interested in that while okay. you're sleeping. <laughs> okay, sure, but they yeah they did bring diseases into the camp. <laughs> they did bring, STDs. <laughs> no, 
they they did you know sometimes bring in disease lice like and and probably the mange I bet probably some some mange and probably rabies. But d- dingoes are considered to live in both physical and mystical realms. Okay, <laughs> which is kind of cool. Okay, I did see a picture of an Aboriginal woman um, nursing two dingo pups on Be- her boobs. Well, yeah, that's how, what's up nursing. Oh, means. come on, that's crazy. But because they were so sacred and revered. Uh, yeah, I mean, I guess they would need Listen, to we'll have to have some of our Australian Aborigine listeners. Yeah. Maybe. You saw uh, pictures of that? I, I did, yeah. There was a picture of an Aboriginal woman with two dingo pups on her breast. Wow. Yeah. You're not going to judge her, are you? No, no. I'm going to go look that up later. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds pretty good. Yeah. Um, a fun. I'm almost done with the dingo section of this. <laughs> oh, <laughs> that's upsetting. <laughs> uh, we... Uh, we NASA named one. <laughs> we NASA. <laughs> we here at NASA. Uh, we we got it all figured out here. We divided up Mars into like certain quadrants, I think, and uh, uh-huh. one of them is the Dingo Gap because it's uh, because of its its similarity to certain the Dingo what the Dingo Gap. Oh, the Dingo Gap. Yeah, we named it that because of one of its similarities to Australian. Uh, <laughs> I'm sorry. I don't know why I'm laughing so much. Maybe the dingo ate your gap. So that brings me to my next point, which is the dingo ate my baby story. Oh, there you go. <laughs> and I heard a lot. I mean, I read a lot about this. Do you know the context I, for a dingo no, ate my baby? I, I only know it from Seinfeld. Exactly. Yeah. Seinfeld and Simpsons too. But I didn't realize it was an actual reference to anything. It, well, first of all, Americans are, I mean, are <laughs> because we're asshole idiots. Yes. In 1980, an actual woman named Lindy Chamberlain, her baby was stolen by a dingo. They were camping. Allegedly. Allegedly. Well, let me, I'm going to get to the details in a second. Was she a big partier? She, she didn't want no kid. Listen, (laughs) Lindy had a nine week old baby, Azaria. Azaria was snatched from the tent by a dingo Mm. and and then later, an, this American film with Meryl Streep was made about this, and Meryl Streep screams, a dingo took my baby. It was supposed to be a drama, oh but it was so ridiculous. God. And I think for Americans, it was like, the word dingo is funny. It sounds funny. So like for us, it kind of became a joke, and which right. is why you see it in Seinfeld and Simpsons. But in Australia, it was like this huge media frenzy. And... Um, this woman, Lindy Chamberlain, was apparently a little a little strange. She was oh, like, she did it. No, no, but that was the thing. Like Australians were like seeing her on TV, and she just like if she cried, they'd say she was faking it. If she wasn't crying, they'd say why isn't she crying? And it was like one oh, of those sure. things, you know. Yeah, and, that's like American TV. <laughs> yeah, it's yeah, very it's like similar. Call uh, Nancy Grace. And so uh, she ended up. She ended up like she said there was that her baby was had a jacket on, and they couldn't find this jacket. <laughs> And she went to jail for the murder of her baby. Yeah. But then three and a half years later, these guys were, uh, someone was climbing somewhere, fell to to his death. And these searchers went to look and they found the jacket that had dingo saliva on it. Uh And it was planted dingo saliva. It was little Azari's jacket. Okay. And she got, she got, got let go. Because of that? That was the evidence they were looking for. Oh, 
for all you true crime fans out there, I think you're probably it's not sitting so easy with you. Well, just like me. I you know, I feel bad for her because of course there's a lot yeah, of weirdos out there. If she's telling there, the truth, you feel bad but for. But there her. are a lot of weirdos out there that people would be like, they're pretty like dude, if if, if you were convicted of, of killing di- someone and oh, someone I'm saw you trouble. on TV, I'm they'd be trouble. like, I'm you, done. that guy did it. I did it. I did yeah, it. You know what I mean? That's why I have to not get convicted. That's why I want you to be on Lindy's side for this. You know what? I I'm going to look at it. Let's look, do look, a mega There's a documentary about, about her. I, I'd like, did you watch it? No, I haven't watched it Let's yet. Let's watch it together. Okay. But I, I did listen to an interview with the documentary maker. And what do you think? It was a woman. Women can make documentaries Ooh, too. damn it. <laughs> you oh. tricked me. Oh, you tricked me. <laughs> I didn't think a woman could buy a camera. Damn it. <laughs> um, but uh, Brave new she, world. She was saying how she was on trial for her personality. And it was like people just like they, 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 it didn't sit right with them. Like, well, it doesn't. It. it doesn't because like that's the thing about true crime stuff is like it never sits right when it, it just seems too convenient. Mm-hmm. You're sleeping in a tent and then the dingo takes your baby <laughs> and, the, and the baby's wearing a jacket. What is there? Baby jackets? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> there are baby jackets. Yeah, but isn't it hot in Australia? <laughs> Dude, I thought you were going to say in Boston. Isn't it hot in Boston? Yeah, it's wicked hot in Boston. So, you so know, anyway. Yeah. So, uh, some of you might forget. That guy died, and then they found the dingo jacket. So, if that guy hadn't died, then Lindy Chamberlain would so still be So, they let her out after that? Yeah. That was the evidence they were you looking for. You know what? For. I'm not ready to fully weigh in on this. Yeah. I need. I gotta. I have to have a personality. We're gonna uh, come back. Judge, we're, yeah, we're judgment. Gonna, we're gonna her. come back to this later. Because I think you could tell a lot by the way a person speaks. Yeah, that's true. Um. Anyway, it's Amer- America made it made the phrase popular because we were so humored by the yeah. word dingo, and I just think that's really funny. So anyway, to our Australian listeners. Feel free to send us your own comments about it. You guys definitely, yeah, what do you guys think? clearly, you know more about this than we do. So, uh, did so the dingo eat send, her baby? Send us an email. Don't be an idiot at gmail.com. Do you think that a dingo ate her baby? Yeah, really. Period. So, um, all right, I do have a, a second, the uh, second part. Okay. Oh, and um, so in 2005, this uh, scientist, William James Burroughs, William Burroughs. Obviously, in his book "Climate Change in Prehistory," he said that the phrase three dog night," which if you, some of you might forget that we're talking about three dog night," <laughs> the, the idiom. Did you? Exp- what is? What does it mean? It means cold. What do you oh, mean? okay, okay, okay. <laughs> three dingoes. Oh, right. You bring three dingoes into your bed, right? <laughs> right. Okay. But he said that it's the Chukchi people that invented this phrase. Oh, the Chukchi. Yeah. Do you know who, where the Chukchi are from? Oh yeah, they're from. Um... Chukchula. No, Chukchula. They're from the they're from the far northeast of Russia. So if you like looking at a map Whoa, of Russia. That's not that's not Australia at all. Dude, it's the it's I mean it's crazy. It like living out here. Now that sounds cold. It's it's uh what do you call it? Siberia. Like that sounds the, very cold. It's very cold. And apparently apparently that uh this this um scientist was said that the Chukchi who were responsible for breeding the Siberian Husky. 
The part, Siberian yeah. Husky oh, comes yeah. from the Chukchi people. That's a hot dog, right? That's there. a hot dog. <laughs> yeah, that is one of the hottest dogs. Right. I'm not a dog person myself, but, but does that dog radiate heat, or does it keep the heat within? If you've got three Siberian Huskies sleeping on you, that's hot. You're getting the hot, right? <laughs> you're getting the hot, hot heat. <laughs> you're getting hungry at. <laughs> you're getting hungry at. The Chukchi people, which they used to battle with Russia in the 1700s, and they have their their own nomadic sort of wintry existence. Yeah. And they're also on the, the Arctic coast. So there's like the sea Chukchi and the land Chukchi. And they, they this, is my, this is my second Christmas connection. They are reindeer herders. Really? And that's what they do. They and like, the husky breeders? And they breed Siberian Huskies and they use them for dog sleds. And, you know, they invented that and they brought it to Alaska in the early 1900s. And they were just like, here you go, Alaska. Well, yeah, <laughs> I think someone someone went over there and was like, I kind of like what I'm seeing over here with all these Huskies. <laughs> yeah. All um, right. <laughs> and then what? in 1908, the Siberian Husky was introduced to Alaska. Well, what fur do they wear? Because if they're mm. if they're breeding they, huskies they use, and wrangling reindeer, they use the reindeer they? for everything. Okay. They use the reindeer for meat. They use the reindeer. So they for don't clothing. wear husky. They wear reindeer. Oh, good. Yeah. Because I feel like if you were having sex with huskies and then also wearing husky clothes, that would be sad. Yeah, that would be sad. Yeah. Although the ab- reindeer, they, they the Aborigines it- did wear dingo teeth and dingo. They would wear like dingo fur things okay. all over, and then also bring the dingoes into bed with them. Right, but maybe but that maybe that could confuse them and make them think it's okay to relax. Maybe they would wait till the dingoes died of old age and then and then bring them. them into the bed <laughs> and then wear them. Oh, okay. Because I was gonna say that wouldn't make it warmer. So the uh, Chukchi. Which means reindeer people, by the way. Okay. <laughs> Apparently. Um, I, do, I do have a, a fun fact about them. Uh, well, actually, no. I kind of got on this Siberian husky. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. I want to hear that fact. I went down this Siberian husky train. And I was like, oh, wow. The Chukchi people are responsible for, like, I don't know, introducing the Siberian husky to the rest of the world. And then... Um, this this uh this Norwegian guy Gunnar Gunnar Kossen, okay in the in the nineteen wow, twenties, cool, he he like moved to this place called Nome Alaska. And yeah, yeah. He was a famous dog sledder, and uh, apparently there was this epidemic that bro- broke out. And I thought this was appropriate since we're living right, in a global right. pandemic right now. For those of you who are listening to this twenty years later. Yeah. We are in the thick of it, but there was this epidemic in this town in Alaska and it was a diphtheria and all of these people were dying. They needed this, this uh, vaccine, but they couldn't get to it because the it clothes, too cold. <laughs> it was literally, it was too cold. There's a three, it was a, maybe could have been a four three, dog four night. night. Yeah. And, um, the closest train stop was, uh, Anchorage. Right. And then, the, to get to Nome, Alaska, there was like four or five different dog sleds had to travel and pass off these Jesus. vaccines. And it was, it was. How does that place get a pandemic? Dude, I don't know. Nome? There should be no pandemic. Nome. Nome. So Gunnar Kossin, um, he was going through like, I, it was like negative 40 degrees 
it was like the, it was snowing. I mean, he couldn't see anything, but somehow he eventually got to Nome, Alaska and brought the vaccine there and then literally stopped the pan, the epidemic Jesus. from happening and saved wow, his whole town. So not only did he become famous, but the main husky, Siberian husky, whose name was Balto, became famous. Balto! I, it's a movie or some shit, right? I think it's a Disney movie. Yeah. And there's a, a statue of him in Central Park today in Central- New York. Why? Why wouldn't it be in Nome? <laughs> there might be a statue in Nome as well. Balto! But Balto's like super famous. And... uh and uh, his, you can go visit his taxidermied body in Cleveland, Ohio. Oh, that's so for all of our Columbus, for all of our Columbus, Ohio listeners. So he's not resting. Go in, drive a couple hours. Peace. Well, he's peaceful in a taxidermied oh body. Oh my god! At the Natural History Museum. Well, we should go visit that. But here's my third Christmas connection and my final comment. Wait, was that a was that a Christmas vaccine? Is that why that's a Christmas connection? That's just that's just. Apropos for the world we're living in right now. It's, yeah, it's seasonal. It's cold. But um, Carl Barks, who invented... Carl uh, Barks? <laughs> Is that a dog Carl Marx joke? No, it's a, he was a Disney cartoonist who invented uh, Scrooge McDuck. Okay. Wow. Oh, man. Tommy's so, going to know. <laughs> Tommy will know him. But um, he introduced a hero dog named Barco as a character in an Uncle Scrooge comic book called North of the Yukon. Oh. And it was an homage to Balto. That's nice. And so that's my that's my third Christmas connection because Scrooge. Oh yeah, Scrooge is Christmassy <laughs> big time. His first appearance was in 1948. I know Christmas on Bear Mountain. Actually, it's pretty cool that um, right, like Ebenezer Scrooge Christmas, and then mm-hmm. like they made like a whole like Scrooge McDuck thing, which was just year round. Scrooge, Scrooge McDuck, right? exactly. Yeah. yeah. God, what a great character! Wow. Yeah, he was great. And now David Tennant is the voice of. Um, I know. Type. Yeah, that's great, actually. But um, so there you go. Three Dog Night could be from the Aborigines, could be from the Chukchi people. But uh, if you ever get cold, just invite a few dingoes or Siberian huskies into your house. Warm right up. Wow. Wow, wow, wow. Or just, you know, now nowadays, just, just turn, turn up the, the heat thermostat, up. you know? <laughs> you can always just turn up the heat. Wow. That's cool, man. That's it. That's really cool. And uh, that's uh, that's a wrap for me. So happy belated Hanukkah. Oh yeah, is Hanukkah all the way over now? Hanukkah's over, I think. Yeah. Okay. I think that's the eighteenth. Um, we hope y'all have a merry Christmas, which is coming up. Right. I mean, we don't like to give away dates. No. I feel like there's just constant holidays. Because we're always talking about stuff. Well, yeah. I think it's because like Americans are afraid of people getting bored and there's going to be some sort of an uprising. <laughs> but, like It seems like there's a holiday every month, doesn't it? Uh, yeah. More or less, right? Right. Got to keep the, yeah, the holidays got to keep gotta on keep coming. Got to keep people pacified. Be like, something to look forward to. There's nothing to look forward to. Well, what's coming next? Nothing. Oh, yeah, Christmas, right. <laughs> the New Year's, right, the New Year's, which is now, like what's January? Year's is like the tail of Christmas. January sucks. January's rough. What's going on in January? Nothing. Well, I guess technically you could say it has New Year's. That doesn't count. It's the very beginning. New and then Year's February Day. is uh, Black History Valentine's Month. Valentine's Black History Month. Valentine's right? Black History Month. Right. Yeah, there's a holiday. It seems like there's a holiday all the time. 
It's a holiday all the time. It's a holiday time. All right, everyone. Well, listen, follow us on Instagram and uh, send us an email at don'tbeanidiom at gmail.com. If you want a postcard or a wooden nickel. Yeah, we got them right here. Hit us up. We're ready to send them out. We'll send you one. We got you. And And until until next next time, don't don't be be an an idiom. Ryan, Albert, how you doing? Thirsty. It's pretty cold out there. Very cold. Oh, come on. Don't be late. Can you believe it? It's kind of a Christmas miracle when you think about it.